Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, welcome to this MI3 special COVID-19 edition. We've got a stellar lineup of industry leaders with us today to talk through what now and what next from a business, professional and personal perspective as COVID-19 becomes relentlessly real for all of us. So with us today is Jeremy Thorpe, Chief Economist at PwC, Telstra's Chief Marketing Officer, Jeremy Nicholas, Omnicom Media Group CEO and Media Federation Chair, Peter Horgan, and Charles Perry Oakden, the CEO of Executive Channel Holdings. It's an Australian media company with a screen network across Europe and the UK. Charles is also the Chair of the Outdoor Media Association. Thanks to all of you for joining, gents. To Jeremy Thorpe first... PwC, a couple of weeks ago, I heard released some modelling on the impact of COVID-19. Some of the stats early on two weeks ago were quite alarming for for many. Today, it probably seems like a little bit uh, conservative. Just talk us through how you see the macro environment now, Jeremy, uh, economically, and then we'll get to what it might mean for us individually as, as people. So as of today, what does it look like? Well, you're quite right that two weeks ago, what was some people said was sensationalist uh, actually now looks very conservative. Yes. Um, Those numbers then were what? So we were going to see GDP fall over a year by about 1.3% and the budget would swing about $30 billion, so from a surplus of $6 billion to $24 billion in deficit. And as I said, those numbers now look relatively benign in the scheme of things. But it was to try and raise at least an understanding of the way that the virus could impact the economy. And we got some things right and we probably got some things wrong as well. You also put a number on how many people might be impacted health-wise. So we assumed that 50% of the population would uh, be ill um, and the majority of those people, though, are low risk and so are not going to necessarily have severe illness or death, but really it's about a loss of productivity. People would have to stay home and we said on average people would stay home not working for two and a half weeks. What we probably got wrong in in that modelling, and I'm happy to say uh, that we got it wrong and we can do it better if we tried again, is we didn't factor in the way that we would respond as a community. So we're responding by social distancing. That's clearly having an impact on productivity. I mean, working from home is feasible for some people. For some other people, that's not. And that's cascading into reduced demand. And so we're seeing that across multiple sectors. We obviously started with the ones that were most at risk because they were directly attached to China. It was tourism um, and it was foreign students coming in and it was some industries that sell to China. But as we've seen our response and trying to address the risks, social distancing means that we're actually seeing, as we would expect, a decline in demand across a whole range of industries. People are scared. When people are scared, they save. And then on top of that, our direct messaging is don't interact with other people. So that drives down demand for anything that requires a face-to-face interaction with someone. So we're seeing a a depression in demand generally. Now, we were expecting late December, we would have said we'd expect GDP this quarter to be about 2%, annualised 2%. Um, Then we've had bushfires, which we seem to have forgotten about pretty quickly, and then the virus. And so the government was expecting a decrease of about 0.7% in this quarter, which effectively means we would have negative economic growth. I think it'll be less, more than that indeed, because they were looking at it before even the the responses that we're now putting in place in March that are further going to drag the economy down. They're really hopeful 
And I say hopeful because I think it is a hope rather than any form of um, prediction that we will stave off a technical recession and that the stimulus that they're putting into the economy really that kicks in in the second quarter will boost GDP above zero. And so we won't have negative economic growth in that quarter. I think most people think that's hopeful in the current environment. We haven't yet hit peak illness um, and yet we're progressed in social distancing and uh, ways that are working from home and so forth that are going to even drive the economy down further. So we're most likely headed for a recession. So broadly, what do you you feel companies and people should be preparing for across industry now and for how long? Well, the government is talking about just today, the Prime Minister has announced we need to be prepared for six months of reduced behaviours, let's call it that. Um, And in the context of if schools were to close, their expectation is it's a six-month closure, so they don't want to do that. But businesses need to be planning for that and longer. Clearly, flexible working now, which was a bit of a a perception of a fad in many people's eyes, now is the mantra. It's real, isn't it? It it is real. We're, We're feeling it now. Cash has got to be king for businesses. So I think the government's fiscal stimulus was all about, not all about, but in a significant part about helping businesses maintain their cash flows. Clearly, the Reserve Bank is cutting interest rates. We expect them to cut it again, and that's partly around that, taking the, the cash flow, reducing that debt burden on businesses. Um, government is directly trying to support businesses from a cash perspective. That's got to be number one. Um, businesses, though, need to plan to come out of this as well, and I think that's where this is going to be, I think, an interesting discussion. We're focused on the here and now, which is bad, but at some point this will end. the virus will end and business will rebound. Now, it's not going to be a vertical we come out of this and we go back straight back to normal in any respect. But businesses need to be thinking about how they are going to come out of this because they possibly will come out in a different different world economically. Yes, and, and we will get to that. It's a, it's a great point. Jeremy Nicholas, Jeremy Thorpe talked about how there was a bit of a fad maybe for working at home. Telstra last week told 20,000 people you would be one of them to work from home. Tell us how your day has been looking each day in the last week as you've managed a, a large marketing team and part of the executive of a very large company. What does the last week look like? Yep. Uh, maybe I'll talk to two things, Paul. I think just on the uh, decision to for 20,000 people to work from home, just be really clear on Telstra's position on this, which is, I think, quite insightful uh, into the way the company's thinking and the way business is thinking. So it wasn't to do with a change in medical advice. It wasn't to do with any outbreak in any of the head offices, et cetera. The decision was we just wanted to take some chips off the table, so to speak, and get uh, make sure all the resources of the company, make sure all the, uh, and I mean sort of financial and also the headspace of the executive and management and all those things, all goes to the front line. Every effort of the company goes to the front line. And so by taking a sort of head office out of the equation and putting and letting people work from home, or getting people to work from home, it, it avoids any distractions of, Floor 17 needs to be evacuated or we need more this here or there. That's all off the table. And now we can just focus on the frontline teams in the stores, the frontline teams in the call centres, the frontline teams in the field as well. Um, And I mean that both at a sort of consumer and small business level, but also at the enterprise level because we are the infrastructure on which the economy and the country runs, both a government, um, big business um, small business and obviously um, consumer and small, uh, small businesses as well. So as far as my day-to-day um, and what that's like, um, I think we've got stand-ups um, happening every morning with my team um, and we're also constantly then reviewing all the work going into market. I mean the advertising that's going to market and some of the things where 
been looking for is as the context changes, the meaning of your message may be uh, unintended <laughs> or, sorry, different from what you intended, I should say. And so you need to be absolutely attuned to that and running every, going through everything with a fine-tooth comb, um, looking at where our media investment is, what channels are right, where people are spending their time, how's that look? And then also just from what products and services we're likely to be selling more of or less of in this period of time as well. Um, and then, you know, we've got a whole uh, responsibility to a huge customer base and to the country at large. There's a universal service obligation at the heart of Telstra's charter. And so making sure that we've got those things in place for our customers, you know, extra data, mobile data, everyone is now on unlimited home broadband plans um, for our prepaid customers, 10 gig of extra data. So these sorts of things being put in place um, are really, really important in just trying to help people get through it. It's interesting you talked about, you know, making sure your messaging has the intended meaning. Um, can you talk us through an example of that, of just how, um, w- what sort of work you've got in front of you and, and you go, okay, we need we need to shift that or we need to be careful? Yeah, look, a really uh, simple thing might be someone, you know, you have a, a piece of creative, which is someone downloading something before they get on a plane <laughs> and a family sitting there. You know, that now message is seen as, well, no one's traveling. So that's obviously out of tune. So do you change that? Right. So there's things that are for relevance and things that may be unintentionally offensive. So what you want to avoid is any unintentional upset to the customers and the company's reputation. It's not an insignificant responsibility you have as the CMO and the messaging for the company, right? It's quite significant. And I think also when things are moving really, really quickly and you're changing things quickly, you know, you're worried about missing something. Like, to be honest, you're worried about doing the wrong thing. You're worried about missing something. Um, you know, and in these situations, we all just want to do the right thing. So in terms of your messaging, your media, your communications, how much has been iced? What are you continuing with? And what is appropriate for a big brand like Telstra to be doing in terms of the communications to, to the public and to, and to enterprise? So I think, as you saw from the publicity we receive when we do everyone does start working from home or when we do introduce extra data on mobile plans or unlimited broadband plans for all customers, regardless of what they spend during this time. Um, and it was similar when we went through the bushfires when we um, wiped the mobile phone bills for the, um, the emergency services um, for the month of January uh, or December and January. So these sorts of things that we do, as I said, they're part of the company's, if you like, universal service obligation uh, mentality, if that makes sense. Whether we like it or not, we are a barometer or we are often mentioned in these sort of situations. And I think it's it, other people are measured by what they're doing relative sometimes to what we're doing. So we do take that level of responsibility quite highly. Um, at what point did you go, we need to uh, overhaul or review everything that we are doing from a marketing perspective and a brand perspective? Is that is that sort of organic or is that, did it, was there an event? Was there a point in time? Which- uh, I would say it was organic. It sort of ramped up over the last two weeks, I would say. But there wasn't one moment we went, oh, God, now's the moment where it's all changed. So would, what what percentage, what range of what you were doing would now be, would have been paused? We, we haven't paused anything at the moment. We've actually just shifted. So uh, both in terms of your volume of your communications Yeah, so we may be not communicating level. one thing because it's not appropriate, people aren't going to buy it, or we don't have stock of it because it comes out of a factory where it's been affected. So we may not be advertising that one, but actually there's demand or there's a need for this or actually the effort on one particular particular product or actually we need to be talking more about the network. So we're adjusting the messaging. We haven't seen wholesale 
cancellation of things um, from our part as well. But I appreciate we're affected differently because we're a different industry to what I would be if I was a retailer. Different again if I was a supermarket, <laughs> which actually they're up. Um, different again is if I'm in travel, different against that. So we are seeing in our business, we're seeing puts and takes. You know, there's there's some things which there's a great need for information and a, a, a greater a thing that people need and then things that are actually much less relevant. Jeremy Thorpe, you've got a thought there. I think this really reinforces that this virus is challenging and highlighting what really is discretionary expenditure in the modern age versus what is not discretionary expenditure. So what we're seeing is we're moving to home. Telco services become reinforced as an essential part of life, but we're seeing clear demarcations where demand is falling off the cliff, where people view that as, I don't really need that to, to live and survive. Yeah, um, good points. Now, Charles Perry Oakden, you're uh, you're running an Australian media company with a footprint across Germany, France, the Netherlands, and the UK, a screen network. What are you experiencing in Europe now that is likely to make its way to Australia, both from an industry and a government perspective? Uh, yeah, obviously we have uh, a significant footprint across Europe. So we have offices in London, Paris, Munich, Frankfurt, and Hamburg. Uh, as of today, all of our employees across all of those offices are operating from home. Um, and what we've seen essentially is a domino effect taking place, which obviously started in China, went to South Korea where I have family. So I was acutely aware of what was happening in South Korea early on. I have a daughter who's studying in the Czech Republic, so I've been acutely aware of what's been happening in Eastern Europe and the speed of which things have been happening. And what we're seeing and the disruption that we're seeing is something that I've certainly anticipated. Um, and I expect the level of disruption that we're seeing in Europe at the moment will definitely extend to Australia uh, in the short term. And I think interestingly, in Australia, we're seeing industry move faster than government. The number of companies that are already having their staff work from home when at this point that's not a mandatory um, requirement in this country. So I think that's very encouraging. The only other thing I'd say is we're talking a lot about working from home and that's all very well, but as industry shuts, uh, the work that they're doing shuts down as well. So what I'm seeing with my team's across Europe, whilst we're very well equipped and very connected and effectively working, um, the type of work they do is reducing on a day-to-day -day basis. And to such an extent that I expect within a week or two, they really won't have work to do because the industries that they're engaging with, the conversations that they would typically have um, would then be non-existent. Um, which is obviously then challenging, and I'm sure we'll get on to, you know, the, the broader effects of that for industry and how we survive that, how small to medium industry keep the tills going or, or have enough cash reserves to maintain employment um, of their staff. And well, let's talk about that, Charles. For those that are not running companies, talk very quickly about the how critical cash flow is and what that's going to mean for all of us, uh, you know, in our jobs and in our businesses. So essentially, the money is not coming into businesses. If the money isn't coming in, how do companies continue to pay rent and pay salaries? So what we're looking at at the moment 
is potentially, statistically, they're saying up to a million people losing their jobs in Australia in the short to medium term. The only way we can enable enterprise to continue to employ people is to enable them to preserve cash and to keep people employed. And the government has an enormous responsibility here. And I know governments around the world are working very hard to do as much as they can to help business and small business to retain staff by deferring payroll tax payments, GST payments. But we're going to have to do a lot more, much, much more. You know, the rescue package that the Australian government um, has put into the market, I think, is around $17 billion right now. That is the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we're going to need uh, across all industry uh, to prevent that situation where we see millions of people out of work. So what sort of measures outside government stimulus, what sort of measures should people expect companies to start to deploy to preserve cash? As a business, in anticipation of what was coming, we ceased all our capital expenditure in Europe three weeks ago. But we need to have sensible conversations between employers and employees, and we need to think about mechanisms, uh, strategies and policies that we can put into place to, as best we can, retain our teams. So once we're through this, and we will absolutely get through this, in six months' time, we can all together within those businesses and those in that group of employees move forward uh, and rebuild those businesses and get cash flows going again. So the type of things we need to consider are, um, I guess, leave without pay might be at the top of the list um, or looking at a scenario where we put our staff onto part-time contracts for a period of time. So what we want to be able to do is to continue to support our employees to make sure that they have an income to survive and provide for their families over the coming months, to pay their rents and those sorts of things. And most importantly for me is to be able to give them or let them have a job in six months' time because that's how we're going to support uh, our staff and our employees by giving them that opportunity once we're through this in six months' time. Jeremy Thorpe, how does that sit with you in terms of the cash flow and the initiatives that what we may see uh, staff and employees having to um, face? I think the tip of the iceberg is the correct phrase for this. We're already seeing government talking about the next stimulus phase. Um, business is not investing at the moment. So part of the first fiscal package was to encourage business to invest more. And I, I don't think you can pay business enough at the moment to even contemplate it. So I think it does come back to supporting people either through actually giving paid leave for a period putting people on new start equivalent, relaxing some of the constraints in that space to get cash into people's hands so that they can get through this period. Government's going to have to make some really interesting calls around what industries it wants to protect and support as well. Um, it's We're going to make some brutal decisions here, but small business is the most exposed because it doesn't have cash reserves in the same type of way um, and doesn't have many people, so it probably means losing losing employment pretty quickly in some of those sectors. As a nation, there's probably some industries we want to protect because if key businesses go under, they're hard to reconstruct quickly. Um, I think government clearly points to airlines here. If, you, if an airline fails, you don't get it back very quickly, if at all, and airlines are part of our nation. Um, same goes for airports. 
Um, and there's probably a whole range of other strategic industries that you can't put back quickly. Um, and so, again, it's hard decisions. Government's moving fast, um, but it can always move faster, but it's going to have to make some hard calls in the next couple of weeks. Um, the the thing that often um, we're around the room, we're in, in the professional services sector. Professional services, uh, Jeremy, that's going to have impact as well. It's just not blue-collar manufacturing. It's not retail. It's not SMEs out there in regional land. This is uh, us around the table as well. It's going to affect everyone, but I think we do have the advantage, at least in some cases, of some work can continue to be done and there is residual demand that can be serviced from people working remotely. That's at least some level of insulation. But at the margins, there are always going to be things that just can't be serviced in that way. And I'm sure that's the same in the advertising industry and the, the media and marketing industries as well. Um, so we're all going to be affected. It's just some businesses, because of their very nature, have an ability to flex that others don't. So, Peter Horgan, uh, where does this all sit with you um, hearing the conversation so far? What does it mean for your business, your people? You can't talk specifically, but, you know, you've got some big blue chip brands in your portfolio, including McDonald's, Coles, Telstra, ANZ. What are you doing with your people? I think that we were lucky a couple of weeks ago, we had a bit of a dry run on work from home and, and similarly... You had a, an early scare, didn't you? We had an early scare with a, uh, a, a UK employee who'd been on an exchange who, uh, who returned back through Singapore and showed some symptoms. Ended up being a negative test, but, uh, uh, but it meant um, UK shut down, so we, uh, we, we reciprocated. Um, gave us a, a good opportunity to test all, all the, uh, the systems and the VPNs and... And we were able to pivot quite quickly uh, this week in a full work from home uh, scenario, move away from uh, laptop cables and uh, home ergonomics back into uh, into client servicing because I think what we're seeing uh, across the client base is we're in the tactical phase, you know, where uh, the best laid plans over the last uh, sort of have been teased together and optimised over the last uh, uh, six months, as Jer- Jeremy said, they are instantly disrupted, and uh, and even if they're flexing to uh, to other channels or other messaging, there's there's an absolute scramble ha- happening this week, and and will through the next uh, next couple of weeks of right sizing uh, right sizing uh, how clients are showing up at a time when uh, consumers are confused, uh, nervous, panicked, um, and how how the, how brands and our client base are showing up in, in the right way. So there's a hell of a of a lot of tactical change going on at the moment. But I think the pivot will be, and it'll be in a sort of a couple of weeks as people process where, where we're really at and potentially, you know, everyone's saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. But as people start to adjust to the new reality, which has only really dawned on them, I think, in the last five days, four, yeah, four days, days isn't it? Yeah. You know, as it becomes real for you, it becomes real. And before that, it, it's, uh, it, it was, it, it was all a bit, uh, a bit detached. Distant, yeah. yeah. So, um, People are processing that, consumers are processing that and, uh, and brands are working out, at, out how they show up for people in that current mindset and, and that'll, that'll evolve, evolve as quickly as the scenarios uh, uh, is evolving. And I think you know, there'll be the brands that pivot and need to show leadership, communicate in the right way and give confidence and utility you know, to consumers who are nervous. And it's how you show up in these times of... Of, of angst and even panic is uh, is where you build or destroy uh, uh, real saliency. So, so we've got Telstra as, as as an exception. In aggregate, Peter, what are you seeing uh, across the media market and the marketing sector uh, by proxy in terms of a crimping in activity? Are we talking 30, 40, 50, 60% now? What is it for the quarter? What do you, what's your 
your finger in the air hunch on this, and it we won't hold you to it. Yeah, the, yet. The, the current quarter, the, the the March quarter, there won't be huge change. You know, it's, it, almost through it, there'll be you know it's on the fringes, and there's, you know, there's a couple of weeks to go. Uh, so, so that won't be significant. It wasn't a great quarter anyway, uh, but the anticipation was you're moving against softer comps from uh, from last year. So, uh, the year on years were going to start lifting out. That's not going to happen, and um, it's impossible at this stage to say exactly what the percentage delta would is going to be. You know, you, you were looking at probably reasonably flat for uh, for the June quarter, and then and then a mildly positive uh, second half second half of the year. That's obviously th- thrown in the air. Any anyone who's who's looking at what's happening is going to is logic will tell you that uh, with big swathes of uh, of industry on pause as we go into April, that's going to have profound impacts. There'll be sectors that need to keep uh, keep communicating with their customers and showing up in the right way. So it won't be it won't be wipeout. You know, there's again we've been insulated from this for for, for, for generations. You know, even through the uh, through through the GFC, where a lot of markets saw. Ninety uh, percent reductions in in uh, in spends in in uh, in, in in certain sectors uh, and in and in and in certain media channels. Uh, we've never seen that. It just doesn't even doesn't even fathom to us. Australia versus other abroad mar- markets abroad. abroad markets, yeah. you know, we're pretty pretty insulated on the uh, on on the last last way around. So I think the the kind of percentages you're talking about, if it's if it's twenty thirty thirty percent down, that seems conservative at the moment. Then it's how you pivot back in as. Because if it's six months or it's shorter or it's a bit or or it's longer, there'll be a twilight period of first mover advantage in that that brands will be lining up to be part of. You know, there's a there's a, a million case studies on on the last uh, the last downturn uh, talking about how brands build equity through continuing to spend and showing faith uh, through that period. Now's not that time, obviously, but there will there will be a time to pivot there, and it'll be the smart the smart marketers uh, um, in. Um, helped by uh, helped by good agencies that will uh, will will pick that sentiment. Charles, your sense on that on on the impact Peter's talking about thirty forty percent being conservative. Uh, what's your sense uh, here in the Australian market and what you may see across Europe? Oh, I think Peter's right. Um, what uh, we also need to take into account, as mentioned, is the traditional media companies are already under tremendous stress coming into this situation cash reserves, strong balance sheets aren't the norm across the board going into this situation, which is problematic. Those type of declines that uh, Peter's talking about, and I don't think are in any way unreasonable, are clearly devastating. The psychology for directors and senior management in this business is really tough because to get your head into that space in such a short period of time is very difficult and to have to then make the decisions that we need to make to do everything within our power to get through this is challenging to say the least because they're very, very big decisions and they need to happen quickly, much like government needs to make very quick decisions on how we deal with the health implications of the virus as well. Uh, we were going to get to very shortly preparing for the the turn, which um, Jeremy Thorpe talked about as well. It's just it's just not about the now; it's what businesses should be doing in the lead up. But Jeremy Nicholas, there's lots of case studies. There's lots of conceptual agreement with invest now for when we come out of a hole, and whether it's brands or companies investing. Firstly, it's not the time now, but 
Do you expect that to happen or is it just a conceptual agreement with it? But doing it is a very, very different thing uh, if we talk about investing in the down for the exit. There's no doubt there's a conceptual agreement. Everyone's read those case studies and everyone understands it. I think um, the quantum of what that looks like is always going to be relative to your business. So, um, you know, and, and be governed by what market you're in. Um, and, and also governed by, say, the capital expenditure which your company's putting in to build out the infrastructure to get back up and running to um, the points made before if that's being pulled back. So um, those things are absolutely going to be taken into account. Um, from, from our point of view, I think we, uh, from Telstra's point of view, we've obviously taken a view on this next quarter what happens beyond that? I think um, as we look at, we're already in planning the budgets and everything well in for next year. We've got a view out right through the end of FY twenty one. Um, wow, what does that look like? Can you tell, can you enlighten me, me, please? Well, no, just in terms of we're in a we're we're not in a business where you you just turn things off and on. Like we're building out a five G network. Right. We're building out a four G network uh, continually as well. You know, um, we're digitizing the entire company. Where um, you know we're changing fundamentally what we do, and we have been for the last couple of years on the T twenty two strategy, which the CEO's laid out, um, and that's that's going to continue, um, and we've got to build, and we've got to uh, we've got to spend in behind that from a capital point of view, and opex point of view to get those changes and to change how our workforce works and um, uh, uh, and the sort of people we need, um, and then marketing has to follow with that as well and and support that now is that at exactly the same level as last year versus the i I, i'm not sure on that but i what i do know is it'll be proportionate to the effort which the company's making and looking at the 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 the, the roadmap the company's laid out and the role that we play in the economy here and the infrastructure here that's going to continue so we're we're probably it's a a slightly different situation for us in the way we think about it, um, but it's proportionate to the the investment or the way the company thinks. And I, I don't see that proportion changing, if that makes sense. We'll get everyone's thoughts before we wind up here on um, the, uh, I guess the, the 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 longer term outlook here. And Jeremy thought first with you. You talked earlier about the need for companies and in industry to plan for the upturn that will be inevitable. What does that look like? And then I'll go to the rest of the the panel. So there's a few things here. The world is not moving in sync here. So China looks like it's going to come out of its challenge earlier than us because it went in earlier and probably clamped down on the virus in a more stringent way. But we're going to see different countries coming out of this at different times. So if you're operating a global business or you've got a supply chain from various parts of the world, there's no guarantee that you can just turn the tap on straight away um, some industries, we're going to have to rebuild capacity. Now, that would be relatively easy in some cases. In others, re-establishing hotel chains, operating at peak efficiency, that's going to be a, be a challenge. If, say, we've got doing this for six months, that will change the way both that consumers think about things. There'll be pent-up demand absolutely for some things. Um, but equally, after six months of social isolation, do consumer tastes or expectations change? Equally, 
how do we think about our businesses and our workforce and our reskilling in the digital age so that we can be more flexible? People have had a taste of working from home. Are they going to want to do that more because they've actually come to embrace it? Or in fact, are they going to rebel against that? So there's a whole lot of challenges in the market, but also in the workplace. And I think businesses need to think. Now, today is not the day to think about it, but in coming months, we need to be thinking about how do we change as a result of this? I, I think that point on working from home, it fascinates me. We've been... Telstra's had a flexible working policy for a long time. But what I'm interested in is actually is all the businesses that have never worked from home and they've always resisted having employees working, flexible working, oh, that'll never work, we can never work like that, clients can't deal with it or we can't work like that. And then they've had to work like that and then they come out the other side and they go, actually, it's not so bad. Actually, it worked fine. Or to your point, Jeremy, actually it was a disaster or actually it was a disaster, then we got through it and actually now things are fundamentally shifted the way people, the businesses view their own business and things because this is forcing behaviours from yeah. behaviour change um, and, and from what the Prime Minister was saying, oh, perhaps over a long period of time, not over two weeks, one week or four weeks, but over six months, that fundamentally shifts how businesses work. And I'm fascinated to see what's going to come out on the other side of that. Um, you know, and there could be a lot of good that happens from that um, as well. And our mentality um, as uh, across the business sector about what flexible working means and those things are actually change and perhaps for the better in the long run. How are you going personally working from home and, 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 and managing a big team? Are you productive, Jeremy um, I'm so productive, Paul. <laughs> you would not believe. No. Um, look, we, we, as I said, we, we've worked flexibly for a long time at Telstra. I think that the, the shift will be sustained long-term working from home. I think that is different. But have we been working from home two days a week, three days a week uh, for some people? Some people prefer to be in the office all the time, but they have worked from home and they've got a, things set up pretty well. But I think one of the things, you know, we'll have to deal with as people do have prolonged working from home, we've talked a lot about this a lot at Telstra, um, is actually things like loneliness, isolation, um, you know, being making sure you're checking in with your team making sure you really can, you actually understand that, you know, really concerned for people's mental well-being, social well-being, and those things are actually, and some of the stuff I've heard some of our teams already doing, um, uh, you know, let's just have a 15-minute call every day where it's not talking about work, as if we were just having a coffee in the kitchen. Let's just catch up on a group, on a video conference, right, together, and let's just check in and hang out and talk and those things. And I think encouraging those sorts of behaviours and those things is really important. We've been really um, conscious of that and then also how do we actually put in paid leave for people if they do get sick um, as well or they have to care for someone over and above our normal amount of leave which we give for people and making sure with those people have got those things yeah, um, in peace of mind as well because that is absolutely where something we're really concerned about and want to be absolutely conscious of and we talked a lot about that um, already well, they're, they're interesting points. Peter Horgan, was it, what do you think in terms of the, the, what J1 and J2 have talked about in regards to workplace, flexibility, mindset, psychology, and how things change for the media agency business, the media business, and, and with your clients, do, do you see any potential shifts, significant material shifts in, in work and how work is done coming out of this? I think uh, I'll pick up on what uh, Jeremy uh, said earlier as we as we come through and start to look look at the other side of this of industrial rebuilding and and for us our our assets are, are the humans um, and uh, yeah, a big part of my headspace is uh, an unfair share of, of of the talent pool which I've spent years years building up so again 
and culturally as well, how we how we not only show up for clients, but how we show up for for our teams and how we support our people through through what is what is a uh, uh, an emotionally and uh, and financially stress, stressful period. So I think there's no doubt once we get through the next three or four weeks of redlining of right sizing for clients and and move from the tactical into the more strategic phase, there will be teams that are still incredibly busy, but there'll be teams that are. Uh, the t- team, teams that are, are, are starting to run down as well. It's how you how you support those teams and how you optimise across your business uh, to be showing up for clients, but keeping uh, keeping people engaged engaged as well. Charles, do you see any big sectoral shifts in how different parts of an industry like uh, marketing and media change the way they operate coming out of this? Is it is it that significant or is it too early? I think uh, culture within our businesses and in particular this sector are really, really important. And I think that culture that we develop um, is done face to face. And whilst we've provided flexibility for a long time for our staff and we'll continue to do that into the future, you know, I'm very much looking forward to having us all back together again because the way we interact and the way we collaborate and the way we look out for each other day to day is a really important part of our lives and the success of our business. I think we will need to reevaluate um, some of the more important goods and services that we manufacture or we require going forward. Some of those things have been shifted offshore in the previous decades. I think some of those things may be reevaluated going forward, and I think there are opportunities. And I think the government should be thinking about that and how we can look at those things to help rebuild our economy in six months' time. Well, I want to get a, a final thought from all of you on what your people um, should be doing and thinking about in the next couple of weeks. Uh, before I get do that, Jeremy Thorpe, uh, Charles's point about perhaps some return, whether it be manufacturing or industries coming back on shore, is that a is that a, a sort of a realistic scenario? What could come out of this? Globally, really. I think every board is going to be talking about what's their risk profile look like in a different light and how disruption to supply chains is going to be a challenge. Now, the economics makes it hard to think uh, that uh, that's solvable of just bringing everything back. But maybe it means, for example, and we've already seen it in China, industry has been moving out of China uh, to Vietnam and Myanmar and various other countries for lower level manufacturing because they've seen a different cost base, but also de-risking, particularly in light of the US trade war. So I think some of that will accelerate. Whether it comes back to Australia, I think at the margin it might, but I think companies will say, have we got all our eggs in one particular country? This is a global problem. No matter where your industry is, you are going to be affected in this current environment. But maybe country concentration will be something that business is going to think about. And final words from you, uh, Jeremy Thorpe, on what people should be thinking uh, and doing in the next couple of weeks, next two to four weeks. Uh, what's your words of wisdom? This is a health issue first. I mean, it has economic consequences, but we as a country need to do what we're told from the social distancing. We need to solve that. The economy we will sort out, government will sort it out, businesses will make the decisions, but uh, we need to worry about fixing the health issues first. Jeremy Nicholas, final, any final thoughts? You know, I absolutely look after your people. As we said, it's a health issue first. You know, look after your teams. Uh, think about your customers' well-being. Um, think about our thoughts, particularly with the people in our business on the front line as well and looking after them, as we talked about before. Um, and that's got to be the paramount 
thing and making sure you check in and um, on them. And even though you're not around in the kitchen getting a coffee each day or however that used to happen, making sure that you're still trying to keep those rituals and those patterns of behavior up in this new environment because it's going to be really important because the most important thing is we want to get through this and be well, and I mean that physically well as a country, and then we can we can tackle anything from there. So Peter Horgan? Similar. Um, help your clients navigate the uh, the next the next six months, and uh, and then help them win on the other side and look after your humans. Charles. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, it's a human tragedy, um, and we can't lose sight of that. Um, I guess we all have a big responsibility to our families, our work colleagues, our friends more vulnerable in society and we need to take that very seriously. We need to be compliant when it comes to instructions from government on how best to deal with this situation. And if we look at the different countries around the world and their cultural differences and how they deal with this, those countries who are more compliant by nature, and I think South Korea is a good example, they will get through this much faster than perhaps other uh, countries who are less compliant uh, culturally. I think it's very important that we listen and we act and we do everything we can individually to stop the spread of this virus as quickly as possible. Gents, thank you. A thoughtful, constructive conversation. Uh, I'm sure we're looping around again in coming weeks. Stay safe and thank you. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.